You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Today's message is entitled, Eyes All Around. And Fran picked up on what this is from. This is number five in Restoring the Soul. So number five in Restoring the Soul. And I'm looking forward to sharing this with you. If we can, if we can pray together. Father, I'm asking that you would break open your word to us, that it would come alive to us, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would give us your wisdom, and that you would restore our souls, and that you would take this message and put wings on it and, and let it go into the homes and hearts of people all around Brisbane and the world, and we put you in the highest place, Lord Jesus, and we look to you. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your grace. Amen. Amen. We'll put our hands on our hearts and pray with me nice and loud. <laughs> Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life in your precious name. Amen. So eyes, eyes all around. Let's get into this. Can you see it on the screen? Great. Not the greatest screen, but it's something. It's something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Today, we will focus on love from a heavenly perspective. By zooming in on the wheels in Ezekiel's opening vision, we'll discover how they relate to love and Christ's body. So we're going to turn there. It's going to be up on the screen to Ezekiel 1, 15 through 18. And we're going to read it from the message ver version. So we're focusing on the theme of love from a heavenly perspective this morning. And we're zooming into the wheels in Ezekiel's opening vision in Ezekiel chapter 1. And we're discovering how they relate to love and Christ's body. So here is our passage this morning. As I watched the four creatures, I saw something that looked like a wheel on the ground beside each of the four-faced creatures. This is what the wheels looked like. They were identical wheels, sparkling like diamonds in the sun. It looked like they were wheels within wheels, like a gyroscope. They went in any one of the four directions they faced. They went in any one of the four directions they faced, but straight, not veering off. The rims were immense. Uh, sorry, the rims were immense, circled with eyes. The rims were immense, circled 
with eyes. Hey, Claudia, welcome. Good to see you. We're just beginning the message here. So this is the vision of the four living creatures as well as God's divine chariot. This is God's divine chariot. These are the wheels of the chariot. Up above is the throne, and one sits on it, as Ezekiel describes him, as one who looks like a man sits on that throne. And then there's these wheels, these wheels that... uh, are wheels within wheels, and they intersect one another. Eugene Peterson brings out that it's like a gyroscope. And another fascinating thing about this vision is that these wheels are circled with eyes. So scholars have classified these wheels as angels in and of themselves. I've written out the Hebrew names for them. The ophanim, which means eyes, ophanim. It also can be referred to as the galgalim, galgalim, which has, means wheels. And the merkava, which is the chariot, this divine chariot. And these are all the ways that they are referred to in Jewish literature and also Christian literature, too. So every week I've been sharing this, at, and all these messages are coming out of that time that I spent with the Lord in that prayer retreat. But also, this message especially came to me fresh yesterday morning as I was spending time alone with the Father. At the beginning of 23, the Lord spoke to me saying, this is a year of recovery and restoration for my people all around the world. A Psalm 23 year. Anybody have an amen there? (laughs) And we're constantly reading Psalm 23. Adonai, Roe. This is my translation here. Yahweh is my shepherd. I won't be without. In pastures green, he settles me. Beside waters gentle, he guides me. He restores my soul. or he res- My soul, he restores. I have it reversed <laughs> there. My soul, he restores. That reflects the Hebrew order. He leads me in paths trusted and right. Yes, that's who he is. Even if I walk in a valley fog, thick and dark, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your support, they comfort me. You set before me a table across from those attacking me. You anoint robustly my head, my cup abundantly flows. Now, it's supposed to look like a cup there. Do you see that? You set before me a table across from those attacking me. You anoint robustly my head, my cup abundantly flows. The the structure there is supposed to look like a cup. Now, moving down, yes, goodness and love, kind, pursue me all the days of my life. And I will be refreshed in Yahweh's house continually, days without end. Amen. So I heard the Lord say, my people will be soaked in my love as he restores us. My people will be soaked in my love, obedient to my word, 
understanding my ways and loving me, my people, and the lost. And so over the weeks, we've been focused on being soaked in God's love, soaked in the Father's love, been focusing on being obedient to his word. Last week, especially understanding his ways, and we were looking at the feeding of the 5,000 and understanding the ways of God through the feeding of the 5,000. And this week, we're focusing on loving him, his people, and the lost, especially this loving his people. This is going to be a focus today. We'll probably have to take a couple weeks just focusing on that last point, loving be my people and the lost. Are we ready? Are we ready to get into this more, get into the heart of this? The mechanics of church life and theology are pictured in the wheel intersecting the wheel. The mechanics of church life and theology are pictured. It's like a metaphor in the wheel intersecting the wheel. Let me talk about this and explain it some more. For example, the debate rages in theology between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. One side tosses stones at the other, causing deep dividing lines between Calvinism and Arminianism. And so we see this, uh, this debate, and it's very hotly debated over the centuries and even in our time, God's sovereignty versus man's responsibility, especially in the light of salvation. God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. Does God do everything in salvation or does man have to do something? And so this is the debate between Calvinism and Arminianism. Arminianism, sorry, Arminianism. Uh, let me take another drink of water. <laughs> and we see that there's even still fighting about this today. <laughs> People crying, right? <laughs> However, Christ's body is meant to operate together as one. The metaphor of Ezekiel's wheels can help us solve the dilemma. In his vision, two wheels intersect one another like a gyroscope. So Christ's body is meant to operate together as one. So we see the two different wheels intersecting one another and operating as one and operating together though they are two different wheels. The metaphor of Ezekiel's wheels can help us solve the dilemma. In his vision, the two wheels intersect one another like a gyroscope. In, in the case of God's sovereignty versus man's responsibility, these two truths should intersect one another and work smoothly together, not veering into a competition this will mean letting go, if we accept this, this will mean letting go of divisive dialogue and listening to one another. That's what love is. Unity in diversity centered around Jesus. So let me say that again. Love is not just unity in diversity, but unity in diversity centered around Jesus. 
So the wheels were, the whole purpose of the wheels in Ezekiel's vision was to carry the throne. It was the chariot wheels for God's throne. And so their whole focus was the lordship of Jesus. If we see the man as a as a foreshadowing of Jesus or as a, uh, a pre-incarnate revelation of Jesus. That's how we can say that better. So we see this paradox all throughout Scripture. There's these two different things that seem to be in tension with one another, and yet they go together. I mentioned this at Bible school, but this is, it's important to see marriage like this. Marriage is not the man dominating the woman. Uh, a real marriage in the kingdom is like a wheel within a wheel. And when God is restoring, he is working in this way so that the male and female work together, but it's not one uh, lording it over the other whether it's the male lording it over the woman or the woman lording it over the man, both can happen in an unhealthy relationship, but in a healthy relationship, it'll be a wheel within a wheel. So they are, there's submission to one another. <laughs> there is moving together. There's submission to one another. It's, it happens when Jesus is the head. So there's a lot of men which will say, well, I'm the head. And the scripture talks about the husband being the head of the wife. But the idea there is it's not just that metaphor. Let me explain it to you. The idea there is that the husband is the head of the wife, but the wife is the body. And the further greater metaphor is that Jesus is the head of the marriage and the marriage is the body of Christ. So this, the desire of God is not a, uh, a one person domineering one another. The, the, the desire of God in a marriage is that he is the head. He is the head. And that as both listen to the head, they operate together smoothly like those wheels within a wheel. Amen? <laughs> so this is what we need to pray for and believe for. But it only happens when we're in submission to the Holy Spirit. This, these things don't just happen without God's grace. <laughs> the second feature of Ezekiel's wheels is that they contain eyes all around. So here's the... Brisbane wheel and uh, this it looks like an older picture because I don't see the seven in the middle but uh, this could be quite scary for some people when we're, when we're looking at Ezekiel Ezekiel's wheels there's eyes all around these wheels well what does the Lord want to say to us this morning through that Human beings have two eyes. So the vision of a rim full of eyes is confronting and unusual. We're not used to that many eyes. 
<laughs> now, heaven, heaven is always confronting earth. You know, it's always kind of like disturbing earth. Heaven shakes us up. So, but it's not creepy, though. Some people may think that at first. Yeah. <laughs> so the vision of a rim full of eyes is confronting and unusual, but there's wisdom in seeing 360 degrees. Think about this. There's wisdom in seeing 360 degrees around. In other words, there are no limitations in this kind of vision and no blind spots. So they know what they're going. They know where they're going. They know everything around them. There is no limitations to their vision and no blind spots. Again, each of us has two eyes. But if we are in a group of 12 and stand in a circle facing outward, we will have eyes all around. Together as a body, we will be able to see everywhere. Our complete vision comes by standing shoulder to shoulder and back to back like the rims of a wheel. So our complete vision comes by standing shoulder to shoulder and back to back like the rims of a wheel. So I'm going to pick four people to kind of do this. Sorry, you might not see this at home because uh, by the time I turn this around, it could disconnect something. <laughs> we'll take four. I'll, I'll show you this here. Anna, come, come beside. Come up. Uh, Andrew, come up. Yushi, come up. And we're going to just, we're not going to do 12 right now. We'll just do four. Now, I'll stand here. I'll stand here. You stand that way, okay. looking out that way, yeah. You should you stand that way, and then you stand that way. Now, if I can see all this area, yeah. Anna can now see all of that area. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> you she can see all the, the cricket players out there. I can't yeah. see. I mean, if I turn my head, I can see. Notice that. And uh, what is? Uh, I Ah, as you can see, always mainly looking at the wall. Now, as we're standing here, it's if we're communicating to one another, we can tell each other the 360-degree view. The more eyes in this, like if we were in a circle of 12 like this, we could see even more detail. Now, if we were in a battle and you were surrounded, you would be able to fight much better like this because you can see everywhere and you, you've got each other's backs, okay? This is what it means to have one another's backs. So, Yushi, what do you see in your direction? Anything interesting? The cricket? That's good. No intruders coming in that way? That's good. <laughs> no magpie birds? <laughs> all right, all right. That's our, that's our little illustration. Thank you. Thanks, guys. So again, let me read this again so that you can understand what we're talking about. Each of us has two eyes, but if we're in a group of 12 or, or, and stand in a circle facing outward, we will have eyes all around. And together as a body, we are able to see everywhere. Now, the great need in the body of Christ is 
more eyes. Eyes that see. Eyes that are opened by the Holy Spirit. Eyes that see. And when you see like Jesus, you are able to act accordingly. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see that soon. <laughs> so we all have blind spots. Only God sees all things. But we all have blind spots. My pastor, Dennis Hodgelick, and teacher, Dr. Michael L. Brown, would often talk about blind spots. And one of the things we see with those wheels is there is no blind spots because there's eyes all around and everywhere. We know that a small blind spot while driving can cause a major accident. And we've all been there, right, where you're driving and you're going to change your lane and somebody's in your blind spot and then all of a sudden you hear like a beeping. You know, the horn's going. There's somebody there. And it's really bad if it's a, a, a motorcyclist because you can, you can uh, kill somebody like that. So we all have, and that's one of the things when you're learning to drive, is one of the things they teach you is watch out for your blind spots. And uh, that's always created a very dynamic uh, time in the car with Anna. If she's driving and I'm the co-driver, I'm like the eyes too. And sometimes she doesn't see something and I say, watch out. And she says, you're, say, you're saying watch out too loud. I said, but if I didn't say it too loud, you wouldn't have stopped and we could have gotten in an accident. And uh, that's uh, pretty much in every marriage. (laughs) I remember back in in New York, we had a driving instructor teacher, and he would roll up a, a newspaper, and if we did something wrong, he'd hit us with the newspaper. Uh, Well, we were in school, in the schools, you weren't allowed to do that, right? You know, in school, you're not allowed to hit the kids. But here he said, you know, I'm a driving instructor. I'm not under that. So (laughs) 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 and I heard that Anna grew up in the school where we won't mention names back in New Zealand where the headmaster didn't believe in all the newfangled rules. And he still had a strap that he would uh, take to the kids. So we're not, uh, I'm not encouraging that. I'm just trying to uh, make us laugh at, <laughs> laugh at life. So going back to the main point here is a blind spot can be very dangerous. And my pastor used to often talk about people's blind spots. At first, I did not understand complete what, completely what he was saying, but I, you know, of course, I accepted it. And Dr. Brown used to also talk about blind spots. And the more you live the Christian life, you realize that all of us have blind spots. And this is why we need to be together in unity like a wheel. When the wheel comes together, when all the eyes come together, there's less blind spots. And especially when we're connected with the head who sees all things. This looks like this guy had a big blind spot. (laughs) I've wondered 
how someone can do such hurtful things and then post about how we must love one another on social media. I scratch my head and pray, help me, Jesus, not to react. What's the cause of such behavior? Blind spots. Have you ever seen this before? No, you haven't. <laughs> and maybe, maybe not social media. Maybe you've heard somebody preach something and advocate something and, and they're treating you horribly or they're treating somebody else horribly and you know about that and you wonder how can they be advocating love when they're doing all these other things. So, again, I've wondered how someone can do such hurtful things and then post about how much we need to love one another. And on social media, and I, and I scratch my head and say, Lord, help me to react, because I want to say, what about this? What about that? <laughs> right? Well, I just keep quiet, say, and Lord, I need your love. I need your patience. I need your grace. And what's the cause of this? This is blind. These are blind spots. And these blind spots happen when we get disconnected from community. We get disconnected from relationship with one another. I'll talk about this some, a little bit more before we move to the next and last point. What's the cure for our blind spots? What's the cure? It's allowing the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and bring us together like the wheels in Ezekiel. We need to see and listen by the Holy Spirit's power. And each of us is different, much like the, the male-female Relationship, the difference there in marriage. Uh, we have God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. We have all of these things which they could cause us to clash with one another, but rather we should be working together. And when we're submitted to God, we're working together. The paradoxes become something beautiful, something that shines like a diamond, all the different races coming together, uh, people groups coming together. It causes the wheel to shine like a, like a diamond, like topaz. So we need to both see and listen by the Holy Spirit's power. This is all about loving, loving God's people, putting into practice love, also for the lost because our love for, for one another people see see it and it draws them to Jesus eyes are the key to loving we need to see and watch out for our brothers and sisters we must also see our pastors this week I connected with other pastors Anna and I connected with other pastors and one of the things I noticed is everyone is hurting because we treat our pastors as things, objects to be used. 
our own personal stepping stones to get to where we want to go. And that's not love. That's not what Jesus taught us. And I, I believe as a body of Christ, we need to grow and mature in this area. It's hard to look at the pastors and see them hurting so much. And, and some of them come across very cheerful. But if you really talk to them, you get at that they're hurting. And one of the main things that is causing pastors to hurt is they're treated like things, not like people, like things. I expect you guys to understand this. I don't expect, I'm not trying to throw stones at you. What, yeah, um, yeah, no, I'm not throwing, this is, now let me, let me explain to you how I believe God wants us to see our Sunday mornings when we get together. This is like a leadership meeting. You are the leaders. Like Lena, she's always here, but now what is she doing? She's at Mount Tambourine having this retreat for a whole family. She's gathered a whole family from all across Australia. And her heart, and I'm joining with her in prayer, and join, join also, it ends Monday morning, morning, but join us in prayer. Her heart is that these... Her family gets saved. Her family encounters God. They know God. So she's a leader. And some, some uh, people among us are potential leaders. And some are leaders. Now, I, I don't, I'm not here treating you like children. I see you as leaders. And when we get together, we come together as leaders. And I know you're going to go out and uh, do great things. We have Donna. She's leading people. In, and always pray for her in the schools, the kids in the schools with religious instruction. Everybody's doing something. Everybody's doing something. And you may not think you have much of something that you're doing for the Lord, but God will use you. So I want you to have that perspective. This is our church is a new wineskin. It's not church as usual or church as you were used to it growing up or whatever. This is a gathering of disciples and leaders who are saying, yes, Jesus, and we want to make a difference in the body of Christ, and we want to make a difference in our city. But we don't have all the, the resources like some other churches. I, I visited one pastor, and it's great to see. He showed me all the things they were doing. They got trucks coming in and collecting all the food and going out to the poor, and then they got this ministry going on and that one ministry going on and he showed me his uh, the auditorium he says this is nine million dollars and I was like Lord <laughs> we don't have all that going going on but you know what we're cheering on those that do have that we're not against them we're cheering them on for what God has given them and our goal is to bless the body of Christ serve the body of Christ and uh, so it's been, it's been a joy um, connecting with other pastors this week. Uh, that has been really a theme this week. But here is what, as, we, as new disciples are born, as people are born again, we need to teach them that they should not treat pastors as things, objects to be used, like little kids often treat their parents at first. Because the little kids don't really see their parents fully. 
they see their parents, but they don't see their hearts, their pain, their history, the things they go through. They just basically say, see, mommy feed me. <laughs> mommy clothe me. But as we mature, we start to see a person's heart, their life. We start to see them. So pastors are not our own personal stepping stones to get to where we want to go. That's not love. That's not what Jesus taught us. So let's go to Matthew 14, 14. Matthew 14, 14. And this is Jesus feeding the 5,000. Here we are, 14, 14. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So this is just before he fed the 5,000 and Jesus lands, he sees a large crowd. But when he sees, he sees them as, another place says, as sheep without a shepherd. They need care. And so because he sees them, he has compassion on them and he heals them. So I want you to see the order there, the, the connection, how one flows into another. He sees the crowd, he has compassion on them, he heals the sick. And, th and then we go to Matthew 9, 36. Matthew chapter 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This whole call to prayer is because he saw he saw the people beyond their facades, before, beyond their outward appearance. And what did he see? He saw that they were harassed and helpless. And why were they harassed and helpless? Because they were sheep without a shepherd. And so there needs to be more laborers in the harvest field. And what are those laborers? Those laborers are called to be shepherds. So it's not just the... The whole goal of a pastor is not to be the only pastor. The whole goal of the pastor is to reproduce himself and herself. Pastors, pa the goal of pastors is to produce more shepherds. Even if you don't have the title of a shepherd, we're all called to be shepherds. That's what it means to be a laborer. Same thing for an evangelist. The call of an evangelist is to reproduce evangelists. It's the, the goal of the body of Christ is not that you have one person reaching millions and that's the evangelist and all of us just uh, sit around and do nothing. <laughs> the, whole, yeah, the whole goal of the evangelist is to produce more evangelists. They watch him, but they also evangelize too. And the same goes with apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Getting back to this, eyes are the key to loving. We need to see. 
And we need to see beyond the outward. We need to see by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to see people's hearts and treat them as people. And caring comes from seeing. How do we see each other? As objects to be used or as people to be cared for? You have these people that come into church, and I've seen it over the years. And my pastor had to put his foot down even back in the day, you know, back in the early 90s, the people that would come and they would come to church for marketing. Yeah, marketing, marketing whatever thing they were selling. And so they make all connections and, and then they try to get the church lists and sell, you know, different products to everybody. And their whole, their whole thing was using people as some type of object and they would go to churches to do it. And you'll find that people, there's some people that come in and they're, they have a whole mindset of using. They don't even, they may even seem nice people, but their whole mindset is using. What, how can I use you for my purposes? Rather than, how can I care? How can I love? Uh, how can I bless and make a difference how can I serve it's a different mentality and usually what happens with these people I remember uh, there was a, a guy who came into our church this is many years ago I share some illustrations that go back you know 20 years ago that way I don't offend anybody <laughs> this guy came and then all of a sudden uh, there was a, a relationship that developed in the church and because this guy was keen on that girl, he said, oh, I'm leaving. I'm leaving now, Pastor, this church because, uh, because I don't like it. And then he said all these bad things about, about the church. And then uh, it all came down to someone else was in the relationship with the girl he wanted. So the reason why he was coming to church was he wanted that, he wanted that girl. He wanted that young woman. It was a young woman. He wanted that young woman. When he didn't get what he want, wanted, he said, I'm up and out. And there's a lot of people that approach life like that. And they come to church with that intention. And when, that in, when their need isn't met or what happens doesn't go well for them, they get up and leave. And there's a lot of people that, uh, along with that, see uh, people as objects to be used rather than to be cared for. So we must always put the relational before the missional, knowing before doing. Even in the way we evangelize, sometimes what happens is it's all focused on getting something done rather than getting to know someone. And especially... Uh, especially people today and Australians, they will be, they'll run from that if they're trying to see that you're, you're using them as an object. They'll run from that. So let's put the relational before the missional, knowing before doing. And communion and commission go together, but communion always comes first. Communion and commission go together like the wheel intersecting the wheel. The relational and the missional go together like the wheel intersecting the wheel. Knowing and doing go together like the wheel intersecting the wheel. But the order and how they uh, communicate with one another is, is critical and it's important. 
Lastly, wheels need to be complete to turn. There can be no holes or gaps. Right now, the Father is working to patch the holes in His body. He's filling the gaps in our souls, congregations, and church-to-church relationships. The Father and Son are working together to make the church one by His Spirit. And you know that was Jesus' prayer in John 17. So this is what's happening. If you have a wheel and you have a hole in it, and a flat tire, it's not going to move properly. You have gaps or, or holes in a wheel, it's not going to function properly. Properly, So the Father is patching these holes more than patching. <laughs> more than patching. He's filling in the gaps. He's restoring. He's making whole. And the Father and Son are working together to make the church one by His Spirit. Let's learn the wisdom of the heavenly wheels so we can move forward and carry the king and his kingdom to every place. Amen? Let's learn the wisdom of the heavenly wheels so we can move forward and carry the kingdom and the king, like I was saying just before, to every place. This brings us to the end. How are we going? Because well. we've, we've just come to the end. So just checking. We're going to come around the communion table very soon. The chief shepherd restores us through relationships with one another. Through giving and receiving love. Again, gi- giving and receiving are like the wheel intersecting the wheel. Both are needed, both are important, giving and receiving. And this, uh, I've talked about it at Bible school often because we've been looking at Ezekiel's vision. So this is pastoral message coming out of some of the things, some of the treasures we've been learning at Bible school. And some of the, some of the things I think I know, I know they're important to, very important to the Father's heart. So we'll pray, and soon we're going to come to communion, but first we'll pray. Father, we're praying for the body of Christ to be restored, made whole. The gaps would be filled in, restored, that the wheels would be functioning, that the relationships with one another, though they may seem to collide at first, would come together like wheels within a wheel, like a wheel within a wheel, Lord. And that all of our eyes, you would open up our eyes so that we'd see like Jesus. We would see one another with the eyes of Jesus. We would care for one another and that, Lord, we would see the lost out there with that care and compassion that Jesus had, we would see, and that because we're watchful, because we're seeing, we're praying, we're praying based on what we see the Father doing, we're we're praying based on the problems we see, 
in our lives and societies in alive in our lives and society we're praying into all of these things father you see the great needs of our city brisbane and we're asking for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in our city in our lives in this church in everything we set our hands to do we thank you that you are our shepherd lord and that you are restoring our souls. Hallelujah. We give you the glory. We give you the praise and the honor. Amen. Amen. Before we come to the communion table, and we'll have a little bit more prayer as we come around the a communion table, but I want to make sure that every service we have some space of offering our tithes and offerings to the Lord. And uh, so I'm going to pray for that. But also during this time, you can, if you can give through brisbanefire.com and there's a give page there. And also uh, you can use your phone. We don't have any offering box. We haven't had for a while. Uh, or FPAS machine, but you could use your phone to give if you want to. But most, many of many of you will be giving online throughout the week. So we're just taking, just giving some time to offer it up. You know, offer up our offerings to the Lord and asking God to meet all of our needs according to His riches and glory. Amen. We're ready. All right, we're going to pray. Pray for this, Father. We take all the tithes and offerings that have been given to you throughout this week and we put them into your hands like we've been learning about, like the loaves and the fishes. We put them into your hands and we ask that you would take them and multiply them and use them for your glory. Lord, let us continue to be generous and just overflowing in generosity. We know that this church is an altar and we bring our gifts, we bring our tithes, our offerings, our, our lives. We bring everything and we put it on the altar and we say, Lord, be glorified through all this giving. And also I'm asking for an abundance of provision for everyone that you'd bless them in their jobs, that you'd bless the work of their hands, that you bless their families and their friendships, and that your hand would rest upon them. Also, Father, that the body of Christ would see the importance of coming together, coming together as one, being a part of that wheel that is moving forward. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.